what I'm doing during this series is I'm addressing typical problems that I see couples face all the time. As a marriage counselor, I've been doing counseling for almost 28 years, about 28,000 hours worth, and a whole lot of it has been with couples. And as I thought about preparing, I just thought about, okay, what are the typical problems people deal with? And and I want to talk about the problem and also the solution. So each session has addressed a problem, or each session will address a problem and a solution. So last week, we addressed problem number one, which was focusing too much on your spouse's shortcomings and blaming them for your bad attitudes and behaviors. Because people do that. They come in and, you know, they they specialize in taking their spouse's inventory, but they're kind of short on taking their own inventory. And the solution to that problem was to focus on, focus more on self-improvement than spouse improvement. And I challenge you all to do that. So hopefully you were spending more time last week looking at yourself than your spouse and thinking about not so much what their problems are, but more the way you respond to their problems or their attitudes and behaviors. Not not so much focusing on trying to change them, but focusing on the way that you respond to them. So how many of y'all actually worked on that this week? You can honestly say you did. Well, good for y'all. And, and so then the second problem we addressed last week was the issue of unmet needs and self-centeredness, which kind of go hand in hand. I talked about one of the reasons why people leave marriages, why marriages fail, why relationships fail, is because people feel like they're not getting their needs met. You know, they, they feel like they give and give and give, and, 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 and at a point where they feel like they're not getting it back in return, they stop giving and they get disconcerted and uh, they get frustrated that they're, they're not getting their needs met after many, many years of trying to talk to their spouse or confront their spouse. They, their spouse is just not getting it and so they, they go trying to look somewhere else. Well, I've learned after all this counseling that the grass is not greener on the other side of the mountain. The grass is greener where you water it and you fertilize it. And, and I, I talked about the issue of selfishness or self-centeredness, that not only is one of the biggest problems in marriage is unmet needs, but one of the biggest problems is selfishness or self-centeredness. Because when you get to that frustration point where you feel like you're not getting your needs met, there's a fine line between confronting them about their problems and what they're doing or not doing and realizing that you got too much of your attention on yourself and what you're not getting. Because God doesn't emphasize in the Bible getting our needs met. As a matter of fact, He emphasizes meeting the other person's needs. And we're going to talk more about that in the last session. But He says love, forgive, respect, He doesn't say worry about being loved, being respected, and being forgiven. He says to do it. It doesn't mean we don't need it. But sometimes we can get so caught up on what we're not getting that we kind of lose perspective on things. And there's there's a time when you need to confront them 
about what they're doing and not doing. And there's a time when you need to practice tough love. But what I challenged you to do last week to meet this problem of unmet needs and self-centeredness is just for the time that we're going to spend in this series, for the next four weeks, what I want you to do is practice what I believe is a solution. And that is to consider their needs as more important than your own. Just do it for the next three weeks. If it, you know, if it doesn't yield any results, then you can go back to doing whatever you were doing. Deal? So how many of y'all actually worked on that this week? Raise your hand. Okay. Great. So tonight we're going to talk about problem number three. And problem number three, and you can look on your outline and fill in the blanks. Problem number three is thinking you're right and they're wrong. And not really listening to your spouse when having difficult conversations. Thinking you're right and they're wrong. That's part one of it. That's a big problem. Thinking you're right and they're wrong. And then part two is not really listening to them when you're having conflicts or you're trying to discuss things, that you're not really listening to them. And I've got all kinds of material out there on listening and communication, um, on techniques and whatnot. I did a whole series here called Communication 401. And if you really want to spend some time working on your listening and communication skills and your conflict resolution skills, I really recommend that you, you check that out. But what tonight's going to be about is not just skills and techniques about communication and conflict resolution. It's going to be more about a mindset or an attitude that you need to have that will really make a difference in all of your relationships, especially your marriage, when it comes to communicating and resolving a conflict. So what I want to do just to kind of get into this a bit is show you a little clip of a couple, a little short clip, not the same couple we had last week, but uh, this is a, a clip from Fireproof at the beginning of the movie. How many of y'all saw the movie Fireproof? How many of y'all did not see the movie Fireproof? Okay, so part of your homework this week is go rent the movie. It's a great movie. You can probably get it on Netflix or your, your on-demand or whatever. You can rent it. You can download it, I think, for free on some site. So anyway, this is a little clip from Fireproof, and it illustrates the point that we think we're right and they're wrong. Just check it out. Honey, I agree with you. You got to get out. He don't deserve you. You can say that again. A real man's got to be a hero to his wife before he can be to anybody else. Or he ain't a real man. Catherine, do you need a place to stay? I can't imagine living in the same house with that man. No, I decided last night that I'm not the one that's leaving. He's the problem, not me. That's right, girl. Stand your ground. Make him respect you. If there's one thing a man understands... It's respect. That's the issue. That's the reason our marriage is failing. She shows me no respect at all. And the saddest part about it is... He doesn't have a clue. He thinks our marriage has been fine for the most part. Mm. You know, he probably thinks... Our marriage has been fine until this year. Now, all of a sudden, she goes off the deep end. Do you really think this happened all of a sudden? I don't know what to think. I don't understand her. She's emotional about everything. She's easily offended and way too sensitive. I mean, he's so insensitive. You know? He doesn't truly care how I feel. He doesn't listen to me. 
Even if I say it over and over and over again. And then she starts nagging me and, and saying I don't listen to her or, or something like that. It drives me crazy. I feel like I'm going insane. You know, he doesn't understand my needs. I feel like we are completely and totally incompatible. She's probably whining to her friends, making me sound like a criminal. I can see him all right now, crying, having some sort of group hug. It's gonna be okay, girl. sweetie. It's gonna be all right. You'll get through this. Whatever you do, whatever. So you think it's past the point of no return? I don't have a reason to return. I want you to carefully consider what you just saw. You know, I know it's funny and we can all relate, but besides the obvious differences between men and women that you you see in this little clip, there's something extremely critical to understand here that will make all the difference in the world when trying to have a difficult conversation with your mate. These two people up here, you know, uh, Caleb and what was the lady's name? Anybody remember? It's a trivia question. Catherine, that's right. Caleb and Catherine are not just trying to get sympathy from their friends, and they're not just building their cases, you know, like we do, to justify their feelings and their actions. That's part of it, of course. But what you must realize, if you ever intend to master communication and conflict resolution, is that they actually both see it the way that they're describing it. and actually believe that their version of reality is the true one, not just a case of perception. Y'all get what I'm saying? They actually believe. They're not just trying to get sympathy. They're not just trying to build their case. They actually believe that what they're experiencing and seeing is the truth. Now, did you not see two different stories up here? You know, I deal with this a lot as a counselor. When I see the man and I see the woman, I'll see them together. And then, you know, he'll give me his perspective and she'll give me her perspective. And sometimes I'll see the woman alone and she'll tell me what happens. And the husband tells me, talks about the same incident and tells me what happens. And I'm like saying, are they living in the same household? I once had a couple that actually called in and said they had a video of them arguing. And they wanted me to watch the video and tell them who was more right and who was more wrong. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and my wife said, you don't want this, do you? And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to pass that up. That's too good. <laughs> and, and I mean, but it, the truth of it is I've had people, I, I had a woman that was married to a, a guy that was really a bad alcoholic, and she hid a video camera. And it didn't catch all of their conversation, but it caught the argument because what she wanted to do was she wanted to play that for him to show him what he was really like. And obviously an alcoholic, when they're drunk, they don't know how bad they really are. They, they see themselves a certain way, and they really see themselves in a distorted view of what actually was. 
But the thing is, we don't really understand. We don't really fully understand that the way we see ourselves is very different than the way other people see us. That the way that we experience reality is very different than the way that they experience reality. We really think we're right and they're wrong. Reminds me of one of the greatest little analogies through a story that I ever heard. And it comes out of a book, Difficult Conversations. Much of the the material that I'm going to share with you comes out of a book called Difficult Conversations. You have a, a reference for it at the on the second part of your little handout there. If you want to go read the book, I highly recommend it. But it, it's told of the it's, it's a story told about Doug and his little four year old nephew Andrew. Doug took his four year old nephew Andrew to watch a homecoming parade. And sitting on his uncle's shoulders, Andrew shouted with delight as the football players, cheerleaders, and the school band rolled by on lavish floats. Afterward, Andrew exclaimed, that was the best truck parade I ever saw. Each float, it seemed, was pulled by a truck. Andrew, truck-obsessed as he was, saw nothing else. Uncle Doug, however, truck indifferent, hadn't noticed a single truck. In a sense, Andrew and his Uncle Doug watched completely different parades. Like Doug and Andrew, we all, realize it or not, notice what is important to us based on who we are and what we care about. You know, sometimes when I'm seeing a couple and he says one thing and she says another thing, she's more right than he is in, his, in her perception. And sometimes he's a little more right in his perception than she is. Because you know the truth of it is, it's not just her story like up here in his story. It's, she's got her story and her view of what happened. He's got his view of what happened and his story. And then there's the story about what really happened, the way God would see it, or the way that I would see it if I was watching it. But then I would be seeing it through colored glasses. I would be seeing it through my bias. Y'all with me? What you got to understand is it's really like this, okay? We are really watching two different parades. You get all bent out of shape and upset because they argue with you or they don't see it the way you see it and you don't realize that they're thinking the same thing. And you really, the truth of it is, you really, really think, we really, really think that what we see and what we experience is more right than what they see and they experience. And sometimes it is. But it's not totally, ever. Truth of it is, we think they're the problem. In a charitable mood, you you may think, well, everyone has their opinion or there's two sides to every story. But most of us don't really buy that. Deep down, we believe that the problem Put simply as them. They're selfish. 
My boyfriend won't go to a couple's council with me. He says it's a waste of money. I say it's important to me, but he doesn't care. Or they're naive. My daughter's got these big ideas about going to New York and making it in the theater. She just doesn't understand what she's up against. Or they're controlling. We always do everything my boss's way. It drives me crazy because he acts like his ideas are better than everyone else's. Even when he doesn't know what he's talking about. Or they're irrational. My great aunt Bertha sleeps on this sagging old mattress. She's got terrible back problems, but no matter what I say, she refuses to let me buy her a new mattress. Everyone in the family tells me, Rory, Aunt Bertha is crazy. You can't reason with her. I guess it's true. If this is what we're all thinking, then it's not surprising that we end up arguing, right? Rory, for example, cares about her Aunt Bertha. She wants to help, and she has the capacity to help. So Rory does what we all do. If the other person is stubborn, we assert harder in an attempt to break through whatever is keeping them from seeing what is sensible. If you would just try a new mattress, you'd see how much more comfortable it is, Rory would say. Our persistence leads to arguments, and these arguments lead nowhere. Nothing gets settled. We each feel unheard and poorly treated. We are frustrated not only because the other person is being so unreasonable, but also because we feel powerless to do anything about it. You ever been there? And the constant arguing isn't doing the relationship any good. But what else can we do? First thing we should do is hear from Aunt Bertha. Remember how Rory saw it? She's just crazy and irrational. Why does she sleep on this old mattress? Well, Aunt Bertha would be first, the first to agree that her mattress is indeed old and battered. It's the one I shared with my husband for 40 years, and it makes me feel safe, she says. There are so many other changes in my life, it's nice to have a little haven that stays the same. Keeping it also provides Bertha with a sense of control over her life. When she complains, it's not because she wants answers like Rory thinks, or like some of us would think. It's because she likes the connection she feels when she keeps people current on her comings and goings. Would you have thought that? About Rory, Aunt Bertha has this to say. I love her, but Rory can be a difficult person. She doesn't listen or care much about what people think. And when I tell her that, she gets very angry and unpleasant. Rory thinks the problem is Aunt Bertha. Aunt Bertha, it seems, thinks the problem is Rory. This raises an interesting question, doesn't it? Why is it always the other person who is naive, selfish, irrational, or controlling? Why is it that we never think that we're the problem? Or part of the problem, at least. If you are having a difficult conversation and someone asks why you disagree, how come you never say 
Because what I'm saying makes absolutely no sense. Well, because I'm right, Dudley. Because they're wrong. They're, they're, they're messed up in their thinking. They're, and they're in denial. They're, I mean, if you live with them, you would understand. He's just selfish. She's just controlling. She's irrational. She's, they're naive. You just don't understand. We think we're right and they're wrong. Let's look at another couple. Their names are Tony and Mary. Consider a disagreement that they have. Tony's sister has just given birth to their first child, to her first child. The next day, Mary is getting ready to visit the hospital. To her shock, Tony says that he's not going with her to visit her sister or his sister, but instead he's going to watch the football game on TV. What? What would you think, ladies? Be calling Dudley Bienvenue for counseling, saying, you need to talk to my husband. He's so selfish and self-centered. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. Well, when Mary asked Tony why he's not going to visit her sister, he mumbles something about it being a big game and adds, I'll stop by the hospital tomorrow. Well, Mary, being a good woman and wife and Christian person that she is, is deeply troubled to her, troubled by this. She thinks to herself, what kind of person thinks football is more important than family? That's the most selfish, shallow, ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But you see, Mary, I didn't tell you this, she took the Dudley Bienvenue communication course and she heard what the rest, I'm going to tell you in, in a little bit, she's, she's heard the rest of this topic, and she read Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most. So she catches herself in her own certainty about this situation, thinking that she knows you know, how it is, and she's right and she's wrong. And instead of saying, how could you do such a thing, she negotiates herself to a place of curiosity. She wonders... What Tony knows that she doesn't. How he's seeing the world such that his decision makes sense to him, even though it doesn't make sense to her. That's what I want you to start doing. That's what I want you to get in this. The story Tony tells is very different what Mary had imagined. From the outside, Tony's watching a game on TV. But to Tony, it's a matter of mental health. Throughout the week, he works 10 hours a day under extremely stretchful situations and then comes home and plays with his two boys doing whatever they want. After the struggle of getting them to bed, he spends time with Mary, talking mostly about her day. Finally, he collapses into bed. For Tony... Watching the game is the one time during the week when he can truly relax. His stress level goes down almost as if he's meditating. And and these three hours to himself has a significant impact on his ability to take on the week ahead. Since Tony believes that his sister won't care whether he comes today or tomorrow, he chooses in favor of his mental health. Of course, that's not the end of the issue. 
Mary needs to share her story with Tony. And then once everything's on the table to get together, they can figure out what to do. But that will never happen if Mary simply assumes she knows Tony's story, no matter how certain she is at the outset that she does. I want you to think about this, okay? Now, you say this is a cute little example, Dudley, but that's not reality. It's not like my situation. Oh, isn't it? It's like that with everything. Why do they want to go be with their friends when you think it would be more important than they do such and such? Why do they want to do this rather than that? Why do they take this approach with the kids rather than that approach? Why do they take... Why do they do this with the in-laws or your mom and dad rather than that? Why do they act this way rather than that way? The truth of it is we all think we know. We know how they are, especially if you've been living with them for a while. You know how they are. You know what they think. That's why when they start talking, you tune them out before they even finish. Because you know what they're going to say. You know how they are. There's no curiosity. It's absolute certainty. And that absolute certainty is what kills you and kills your relationship when you try to have a conversation about anything, especially a difficult one. What you need to do is become curious, truly curious, not just like a technique, you know, learn how to listen and say, so what you're saying is, is that what you're saying? You know, I teach that and that works, reflective listening. But it's more about a true mindset or an attitude that you need to develop and have with your spouse, especially if you've been with them for a long time. You need to almost like pretend that you don't know them or you don't know why they do certain things the way they do them. And get curious to find out why. Why do they react to me the way they do? Why do they act the way that they do? Why are some things seemingly more important to them? You know, I look at it as insensitive and selfish and self-centered, but maybe there's a, another part to this story that I don't understand. Maybe, just maybe. If I saw it the way they saw it, it would make sense that what they're doing makes sense to them at that moment. So, Bottom line is the first thing you need to do is get that it's not about figuring out who's right or wrong. And it's not about just learning good communication skills. What I want to teach you tonight is more about a mindset or an attitude that you need to develop, especially when having difficult conversations. And I believe that it will make an absolutely huge difference in both your internal peace as well as your outward resolution. You interested? So continue to, build, continue to build on this theme. I want to share with you three of my favorite verses from Proverbs. If you were to go through the book of Proverbs and just look at what it says about communication and resolving conflicts, you would find just tons of verses. But I want to share with you three that are very, very powerful and say a whole lot about communication and resolving conflict. And again, if you want to get, you know, a really in-depth course, I got a nine-lesson course called Communication 401. I would really encourage you to dig into it. And, and maybe if you want to do a small group, do it in a small group because it, it's, just, it's just chock full of, of a bunch of different things that would help you with communication and resolving conflict. But the first verse is Proverbs 18.2. 
says a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Isn't that what we do sometimes? When you're talking and you're, you're fighting or you're arguing, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding. Highly effective people, Stephen Covey says, seek to understand before being understood. Do you seek to understand before being understood? Most people seek to be understood before understanding the other person. We both are venting, airing our own opinions, saying what we think, but not really listening to the other person. Then look at Proverbs 18, 13. This is one of my favorite too. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Let me give you my paraphrased version. He who gives an answer before you really hear and understand what is being said will give a stupid answer. We often give answers and respond before we really understand what's being said. We react to what we think that the other person is saying, not to what they're actually saying most of the time. And if you've been living with someone a long time, over five years, I consider a long time, you already know what they're going to say. You already know what they're going to think, so what's the point of even having a conversation? You should just have a monologue rather than a dialogue. A lot of people just have monologues, or they talk at each other. They don't, they're not having a conversation. Truly trying to understand one another. I already understand how you are. Let me tell you what you need to know. Then the last one, which is really, really a powerful one. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Proverbs 25. The purposes of a man's heart or a woman's heart are like deep waters, but a man or a woman of understanding draws them out. They teach us as counselors to communicate and listen in such a way that it makes people feel safe to share, that they want to share. Most people that I know that are married, you don't make your spouse feel safe to share. You ever heard the expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? My question to you is, does your spouse feel safe to share with you? Do your kids, do your employees feel safe to share with you? Now, from your perspective, maybe, but from their perspective, they really, if I asked them and they told me the truth, do you feel safe to share with your wife, husbands? Do you feel safe to share with your wife, wives? Do you feel safe to share with your husband? Like, do you feel like you could say anything to them? Or are you afraid of how they're going to react or interpret it? Or are you afraid they're going to use it against you? Are you afraid they're going to get angry? They're going to go off? They're going to, you know, do whatever they usually do. They're going to start getting defensive. See, why do people do that? The purposes of a man's heart, let me tell you from my perspective. The purposes of my heart, what's in my heart, my feelings, my deepest thoughts and feelings, fears, desires, are like deep waters. You want to know what they are? You want me to tell them to you? If you're my wife, you, you want me to share my heart with you, tell you how I really feel? 
you know, wives, women are always telling me, he never shares with me. He never talks to me, Dudley. He won't communicate. Now, part of it's because he's a man and he's brain damaged, okay? But let me tell you the other part. The other part is because of the way you listen or don't listen or because of the way you talk or because of this tongue you got in your mouth or because of the look on your face when you listen to him. He don't want to talk to you. He doesn't want to open up to you. Or vice versa. Gosh, she doesn't talk to you because you, you don't, because of the way you listen. She, she doesn't want to talk to you. Purposes of my heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. I gotta understand. I gotta be self-controlled. I gotta like, understand that you see things differently than I see things. And it's like my way is not right and your way is wrong. We have different perspectives. I got to understand that we both see things through a filter. We both have a history. We're two different people. We're a man and a woman. The purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. You want to be a man or a woman of understanding then you need to learn how to have the right mindset so that your spouse wants to share with you, that they want to talk to you. You want an intimate relationship? Then you need to give up this idea of being right or wrong, and you need to learn some things that you don't know, that you think you know. But it's not just techniques, it's a mindset. you got to really get what I'm telling you is true. It's not just an opinion. So, you remember last week we, we watched some clips of 30-something, uh, Nancy and Elliot. And we're not going to watch all those clips again. I want to just show you two little one-minute segments of what we watched before. And in the first one, Nancy's going to make a statement to Elliot. She's going to say, you're miserable every day, insulting, complaining, and angry. Now, she's not really saying it in the way she should say it. She's saying in a kind of an attacking way in front of a therapist. And it, you know, it's probably not being said in the right way and the right tone and all that. But if he was practicing what I'm telling you, imagine how he might hear her and respond differently than the way he responds. You're going to see him respond defensively. And in the second clip, Elliot's going to be telling on Nancy He's going to tell the therapist, I feel like she's on me all the time. And you see, if if I said to my, my wife, I feel like you're on me all the time, or if you said to your spouse, I feel like you're on me all the time, typically what you would get is a defensive response. But if you were practicing what I was teaching you, how might you respond to that if you would be curious and not certain? So watch the two clips and we'll come back and talk about them a bit and then I'll make my last couple of points. You're the one who thinks things are bad, so... No, no, I don't think things are bad. Yeah, right, this is her idea of fun. After this, we're going to go see Cries and Whispers. <laughs> sex! Oh, oh, uh, I don't know, sex is... I mean, I'm still trying to remember what sex is like. <laughs> 
I know sex is, you know, I mean, um, it's it's fine. Sex is sex, you Don't know. Don't do that. What? Just tell him. What? What, well, Nancy? What? Well, well. Elliot is, is is very unhappy with our sex life. Nancy. Come on, just go ahead and tell him. I, I mean, we're here. You might as well take advantage of it and just talk to him. I mean, I mean, you never miss the opportunity to let me know how you feel about it, so just tell them. Oh, okay. Um, he, he, he thinks that I, I'm not interested in sex anymore. He thinks that I don't take care of his needs. Is that true? If she says it, it must be true. Oh, stop it. Stop Come what? On. Stop what? You seem to have all the answers. Elliot? I am trying to save our marriage. I am trying to understand why it is that you are so miserable every day. Day in and day out, you're, 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 you're insulting and you're complaining and you're angry. And I, I do, I think that I have the right to understand what it is you feel. I don't know why you don't you, you don't, no, 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 you, you, you no, 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 you don't know what I'm thinking. You don't know what I want. You want to know why we're here? This is right, we're here, right here, right there. What? Because you don't want to know what I'm thinking. You don't that care what, no, 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 you don't even want me to think. That's oh. what it is. You, no, you know what? You won't be happy until everything is just the way Nancy no. wants it. That's it. No, that's until it's just Nancy, it. everything's just the way you want it. That's it. That is it. You know it. Great communication. Okay. Okay. I, I, I feel like she's on me all the time. Like I can't do anything right. I come home the other night and, um, and I want to help her out with what's going on at home. You see, I'm getting it for you. Ethan, I heard you. I am getting it for you. Hey, bunny rabbit. Hi, partner. Yeah, hi. Oh, hey, hey, how are hey, you? Could you make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before I kill him? Please? Sure. Kid, it's a big exciting world out there. A world of hot dogs, hamburgers, scrambled eggs, fried chicken, and one day maybe you'll get tired of PB&J and you'll move out into that world. I hate that. It's Don't you know by now that he only likes grape jelly? I forgot. Look, I'll do it. No, I, got it. No, no, I, can, ahead, I can do it. It's no big it. deal. I don't no, mind. I really, I got it. I wasn't yelling. Oh, you took the me. bread right out of my hands. You see, the point I want to make with this is that Elliot, I mean, how do you think he felt there? He probably felt hurt. Uh, you know, his perception, she's on him all the time. She's controlling. You know, she's disrespectful. Then he had feelings that probably hurt him. Probably felt inadequate. He probably felt angry. And then there was a, a kind of a meaning that he would have attached to it, like uh, she doesn't really care about me. She's just, you know, she, she undermines me with the kids. There would be the way that he saw it, then his feelings about it, and then the meaning that he attached to it. But most people don't realize that those three things are going on in a conversation. And when the first thing is said... Like in the beginning, when Nancy said, you're miserable every day, insulting, complaining, and angry, they just react to that. Rather than say, you know, and I don't mean saying like, well, what do you mean by that? That's not what I'm talking about. Or I don't even mean like controlling the anger inside of you and using the tone that Dudley teaches. Well, honey, what do you mean by that? Tell me your feelings. 
when really on the inside, you know they're wrong and you're right. It's like really having an attitude like, what do you mean by that? Tell me how you really feel because I want to know. And then in the last one, if Elliot were to share with Nancy, you're on me all the time, that he could express the way that he sees it. It's not the way she saw it. He saw her as yelling. He sa- she says, I wasn't yelling. You know, he th- she thinks it's, you know, he's not, you know, being attuned enough to the kids that he doesn't even know that his son doesn't like grape jelly anymore. He's trying to help. They see it two different ways. They're watching two different parades. So if he were to tell her, I feel like you're on me all the time. That's not really a feeling. But if he would try to explain to her how he feels, would she really listen and be curious and want to know? Or would she just react to it? Because what we mostly do is just react. So, I said the problem, look on your outline, is thinking you're right and they're wrong and not really listening to your spouse when having difficult conversations. The solution is to adopt a learning stance and move from certainty to curiosity when approaching your spouse in conflicts. The solution is to adopt a learning stance and move from certainty to curiosity when approaching your spouse in conflicts. Why the title? The title of tonight is Columbo, Curiosity, and Confrontation. How many of y'all remember Columbo on TV? I used to watch that with my mom and dad. He was a detective. And, you know, with his rumpled raincoat, his ever-present cigar, and his bumbling demeanor, this disarmingly polite homicide detective, Columbo, with this Sherlockian Holmes power of deduction, would hide that somehow, and he would get people to underestimate him and lower their defenses, and he would always get the information he needs and solve the case. But he would always come off like, you know, he would, he would ask him the questions and then he would come back and he would say, he would walk away and he'd say, excuse me, but I, this is probably stupid, but could you help me just understand one other thing? And what they would do is they'd say, this is an idiot, you know, and, and they would lower their defenses and they would give him the information and then he'd walk away and he'd go, just one more thing. And it's not the technique, although the technique works if you do that. Honey, I, this is, I'm probably an idiot, you know, but could you just help me understand something? I'm probably seeing it all wrong. It works, even if you don't have the right attitude. But I'm not talking about the technique. I'm talking about the attitude. It's like Columbo. You need to go into a situation like Columbo. And you need to be curious when you approach confrontation. So you need to adopt a learning stance and move from certainty to curiosity when approaching your spouse in conflicts. Now, 
point number one on your outline, how do you do that practically, is you need to learn to pay attention to all three levels of difficult conversations. Level A is perception. You need to be aware of the way they see what happened versus the way you see what happened. There's their story and your story, as we've demonstrated. Then B, there's their feelings about what happened and how you felt about what happened. People are really bad at identifying their feelings. i got a little chart for you in case you have trouble identifying your feelings. i got like 30 different feelings and little faces, okay, out there on the table. Pick it up when you go. Because what you need to do is when you're talking about what happened, you're discussing something, and you explain how you see things, you need to identify how you feel, and you need to pay attention to how they feel. Because there's, there's the perception of what happened, and then there's your feelings about what happened, and their feelings about what happened. And then the level C, or the third level, is meaning. And this is really important. It's the meaning that you attach to what happened Versus the meaning they attach to what happened. Now, look at your outline. You got a little outline because I wanted you to be able to take this home after you see these little clips. They're really short and we're going to run through this real quick. I want you to be able to take this home and look at it and analyze it and remember it for yourself. And you can see at the top, it says difficult conversations, three levels of every difficult conversation. Perception, the way you see it versus the way they see it. Feelings, how you feel and how they feel about what happened. And then meaning, the interpretation of the event or the meaning attached by each person. Okay, so keep that in mind as we watch these three clips. We're going to watch three different versions of a couple named Leo and Laurie. And what I need to tell you about Leo and Laurie is that they've been, they've been married a couple years and they've had this recurring fight in their relationship that's painful to both of them. They were at a party thrown by some friends and Laurie was about to reach for another scoop of ice cream when Leo says, Laurie, why don't you lay off the ice cream? Laurie, who struggles with her weight, shot Leo a nasty look and the two avoided each other for a while. Later that evening, things went from bad to worse and check out what happens. You know, I really resented it this evening when you treated me, how you treated me in front of our friends. The way I treated you? What are you talking about? About the ice cream? You act like you're my father or something. As if you, you constantly have to put me down or, or control me. Lori, I wasn't trying to hurt you. You said you were on a diet. I was just trying to help you stick to it. You're so defensive. You hear everything as an attack on you, even when I'm trying to help. Help? How is humiliating me in front of my friends your idea of helping? You know, I can't win with you. If I say something, I'm trying to humiliate you. If I don't, then you ask me why I let you overeat. I'm sick of this. Sometimes I wonder if you don't start these fights on purpose. (laughs) If you'll notice on your outline, I have some color coded for perception, feelings, and meaning. And And you can go look. In, in the little body right there. Look with me for a minute. You can see Laurie says, I resented it at the party. First of all, I resented it is not telling how she felt. The word resent means to refeel. 
You re-feel when you rethink. It's a, it's a concept. It's not a feeling. What she felt was embarrassed. Okay? We often say, I resented it. That's not really a feeling. That's why I want you to get this list. And then you see in the blue, she talks about the way you treated me. And he has, you know, she has her version of the way he treated her. And he has his version of the way he treated her. She says, you act like you're my father or something. That's her version. And, and his version is, hey, I'm just trying to help you. You said you were on a diet. I was just trying to help you. Okay? And then there's the meaning that they each attach to it. She, the meaning she attaches to it is, you have this need to control me or put me down. That's what it meant that he did what he did. And then his, his meaning is sometimes I wonder whether you don't start these arguments on purpose. You see, that's how they are interpreting it. There's the what happened, his version versus her version, his feelings, her feelings, and then what it meant to both. And in this little thing you saw, there's two key mistakes that they make that makes this conversation much more difficult. Number one, Laurie assumes that she knows what Leo's intentions are when in fact she doesn't. Number two, Leo assumes that once he clarifies that his intentions were good, that Laurie is no longer justified in being upset. How do you avoid the first mistake? How can Laurie avoid the mistake of attributing intentions to Leo's behavior that he may not have her first step is to simply recognize that there's a difference between the impact of leo's behavior and what leo intended she can't get anywhere without disentangling the two you have to disentangle intent from impact y'all with me she can't get anywhere without disentangling those two. Instead of beginning with an accusation, Laurie can begin by identifying what Leo said and what the impact was on her. Check it out, what it might look like. You know, tonight when you said, why don't you lay off that ice cream? Well, I was really hurt by that. You were? Yeah. Well, I, uh... I mean, I wasn't, you know, you were on your diet. I was just trying to help you stick to it. How, how does that make you upset? Well, I mean, you said it in front, you embarrassed me in front of all of our friends. And, and when you do that, I, I wondered if you said it on purpose or not to, you know, embarrass me or to or, or hurt me. And I knew you wouldn't want to do that. And, but that's what I'm thinking about whenever these things happen. Well, I definitely, you know don't want to do that on purpose. Um, I just, uh, I guess I'm just confused about what you want me to say when I see you going off your diet. Give my hand. So, what, what Laurie needs to do, and you look on, your, on this little outline that I gave you, not your, you know, this page sheet that I gave you, if you look at avoiding the first mistake, she needs to share the impact. You need to share the impact on you and inquire about their intent. That's what she did. How do you avoid the second mistake? The second mistake being that once Leo 
tells her that his intentions were good, that she is no longer justified in being upset. But when we find ourselves in Leo's position, being accused of bad intentions, we have a strong tendency to want to defend ourselves. That's not what we intended. That's what we say. We are defending our intentions and our character because we feel like it's being attacked. However, starting there leads to trouble. What we need to do is to listen past the accusation, however it may come out, past the accusation and try to understand what they're feeling. Remember that their accusation about our bad intentions is always made up of two separate ideas. Number one, that we had bad intentions. And number two, that the other person was frustrated, hurt, or embarrassed. Don't pretend that they're not saying the first. You want to respond to it, but you should, but neither should you ignore the second. And, by start, and, and if you start by listening to and acknowledging their feelings and return to the question, question of intentions later, it will make your conversation significantly easier and more constructive. We also need to be open, all of us, to reflecting on the complexity of intentions. A lot of times we judge intentions. And that's part of why we feel the way we do, because we perceive that it was, there was malintent. We, we, we judge them for you know, malintent, and we think our intentions are pure, and really neither are true. Let's look at what might have happened if Leo had taken the Dudley Bienvenue communication course and he practiced this in this same scenario. I really resented it this evening, the way you treated me in front of our friends. The way I treated you? What do you mean? About the ice cream? You act as if you're my father or something. You have this constant need to control me or to put me down. Wow. Sounds like what I really said hurt you. Well, yeah, it hurt. What did you expect? Well, at the time, you said you were on a diet, so I figured I could help you stick to it. But I guess saying it in front of a bunch of friends could have been embarrassing. Why didn't I see that? Well, maybe it was kind of embarrassing for you to have to say something in front of our friends. And I could have seen you as out of control, and that's a big issue for me. That's true, and I probably was a little out of control. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm sorry. I don't like hurting you. Let's, uh, let's think about what I can do, if anything, in situations like that. Good idea. So, again... On the second mistake, what you do to avoid it is to listen for their feelings and reflect on your intentions. All right, so to summarize all this, look back on your outline, your little outline you got when you came in. Point number one, if we're trying to solve, solve this problem, point number one, if I can find it, Point number one is to learn to pay attention to all three levels of difficult conversations. If we're trying to adopt a learning stance and move from certainty to curiosity, you need to pay attention to all three levels in the conversation, perception, feeling, and meaning. Okay, point number two is to learn to disentangle impact from intent, and this is huge. Point A, under that, 
How do you do that? Is always acknowledge the impact of your behavior on your spouse, regardless of your intent or their misperception. Now, that's a, it's, this is so important. I want you to go home and really think about this. I want you to go home and read this and think about it. You need to acknowledge the impact of your behavior on your spouse, regardless of your intent, even if your intent was pure, and they totally misperceived you, you still need to acknowledge it. And B, don't automatically assume malintent on their part or pure intent on yours. It's that simple. Amen? So what's the challenge this week? The challenge is number one, adopt a learning stance and a curiosity approach when it comes to communicating with others. Start paying attention to the three levels in your difficult conversations. Practice knowledge, acknowledging impact, and checking out intent. Number two, take some time to consider how well you listen to your spouse and others. What could you do to become a better listener? Practice being a better listener. Really try to become a man or woman of understanding who draws others out. And number three, I highly recommend you get and read the book, Difficult Conversations, How to Talk About What Matters Most. And look, don't miss next week and the following week. Next week, the topic is forgive for good. And it's not going to be exactly what you think. I don't want to tell you what it is. It's a surprise. you got to come. And then the last week is called Mission Impossible, which is staying married. Okay? It's got a question mark behind it, okay? So don't miss that one either. They're going to both be really good. And the other thing I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you, bring someone, okay? Don't, don't keep this to yourself. There's, there's a lot of people that come to us for counseling, and, and, and I charge a lot of money for counseling. Our other counselors charge different amounts, and we, we try to offer discounts to people when they can't afford them. Like Brother Mike says, that's what we have our golf tournament for, to raise some money for that. But, but look, I'm, I'm going to give you the best I got, that, that if you apply what you just learned, I promise you, go home and think about it and read this stuff over a few times and really try to practice it. Really try to practice it. And I promise you it's going to make the world of difference. And come next week and the following week and bring somebody with you. Amen? Let's close with a prayer, and I'm turning it off to, over to Brother Mike. Father, thank you for tonight. Help us to practice this. Help us to remember it. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit as we work in effort on changing what we can change. Help us to change what we don't have the power to change. Let us work like it depends on us and pray like it depends on you. And as we pray and depend on you, Lord, change us. Change our relationships I pray for the people out there, wherever they are, whether they're just trying to improve their relationships or whether they're really struggling, hanging on by a thin thread. Lord, work in them. Work in them. Work a miracle in them. With, with man, this is impossible, but with you, all things are possible. And I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.